that's iBook Bindings podcast, and we're recording our holiday special edition. I don't know what. So um, happy, happy holidays, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, uh, and uh, everything else that you can be celebrating on any dates uh, uh, in December on or early January, because in Russia Christmas is on the seventh of uh, of January. In Armenia, it's on the 6th, as far as, far as I remember. So, yeah, it's, it's a long month and happy holidays uh, anyway. So, um, I'm Stepan, as usual. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, recording from Visay. Pavel, my co-host, is uh, joining from Moscow. Then uh, uh, Mark Cochran joined us from, from the United Kingdom. And uh, uh, Richard Minsky joins us from the United States, from New York. Hi, everybody. Uh, hi, hello, everyone. Uh, hi. Nice to see you here. So, Mark, you, you sort of avoided uh, uh, the, the question. Yes. <laughs> but we remember. Yes, <laughs> yes really, I have avoided really the question. You can't choose. Just pick one. What? It's, I'm sorry, you're going to have to remind me of the question. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your biggest success in life? Please. Ah, you're, you're referring to the, uh, yeah, what's my biggest thing, that I re my biggest regret in bookbinding? It's an extraordinarily good question. I have many, many regrets. Um, but I think if I were to have a, a, a singular big regret, would not be spending more time learning from other people, quite seriously. Um, I was very fortunate when I went to college and I had some superb teachers um, and they were at the, the, the peak of what they were doing teaching-wise. Again, a wealth of knowledge, a fountain of information. And when I left, I opened my own, when I graduated, I opened my own studio. and. I somehow wish I could have had more time with them to learn more. Um, but then his, that's history and whatever I am, where I am now. I suppose I regret for the future is that if we are in the UK at least, and it's something that Kate was talking about that, that, and you mentioned as well, is that we don't have in the UK a a, a pathway for people to learn bookbinding and book arts as well. I mean, not a staple five pieces of paper and the concept of the book, but serious book arts, good book arts. And there is some fantastic book arts out there. But, but in the UK, we don't have that. And that's my biggest regret, is that I should have fought harder to keep things open for people. Because now we were in this situation where we're scrabbling around trying to get things started. Uh, and it's a real, that's, that for me is my biggest regret, I suppose. That I'm not earning it, that I'm not earning enough, you know? Are you, are you optimistic about that? Because I think Kate, Kate is um, that sort of person who works a lot towards her goal, but doesn't really believe in achieving them sometimes. I'm, 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 I think if, if, if you work with in art and design and the crafts or, or any creative discipline, you have to be optimistic as part of your personality because you get so much rejection 
that you've got to keep fighting against. It's not like working in an office where, you know, you're told what to do and say, I do this and I do that and I get my wage, right? On Saturday, I can play golf. And then I, Sunday, I go for a pub lunch. And then I start on Monday again. When you're working in art and design, when you're working with it, you're working with it 24 hours a day. It is your life. It is what you do. You, you dream your work. You, 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 every waking hour is your working. Everything you look at is inspiration for the next project and everything else. So you, you can't switch off. It's not like an accountant where you can actually, I know, and I, I have a, a couple of accountants who are acquaintances, and they say, yeah, I switch off. But Friday, 4.30 in the afternoon, switch off. That's it. Bang. Nothing. And then I can't do that. You can't do that. We can't do that. <clears throat> so you have to be a born optimist. You've got to be. Yes, I'm optimistic, but it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort for things to even get back to a shadow of what they were 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And we've got an awful lot of catching up to do. And it's also going to take a lot of brave people to take the, the, the plunge, as it were, to say, OK, we are prepared to finance this, you know, to get a venue, to put the equipment in it, to pay you, to make it work so that we have a, a continuum that we start up again. Because there are colleges, there are universities, there are courses that are churning out. And I do use the word churning out. Uh, paper conservators, restorers, uh, book restorers, paper conservators, and all the rest of it. That's, yeah, because that, that, that's quantifiable. You know, you go in, you repair a piece of paper, look what I've done, that's wonderful. Well, when it comes to bookbinding and book arts, and especially book arts, it's like a lot of the arts, you can't quantify it. You know, is it good or is it bad? Well, it is. It is what it is, and that's it. And this is why a lot of the arts are being dumbed down in education, especially in the UK is because a lot of people's expectations for their children are got to get a good job, you've got to get this and you've got to do this and you've got to do that, you know, bing, bang, bong and everything else. You know, and it's not actually giving the, 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 the younger people an opportunity to have a field where they can say, actually, I don't want to do that. I'm really interested in doing that. And I think with bookbinding and book arts, there is a resurgence. There is a, a, a ground swelling of interest in it because we've gone through the ebook phenomenon. We've gone through all of this and there is a greater understanding and for the book as it is. Book arts is, is a very interesting area because good book arts is good art and it's a good book. And it's like anything else, if it's bad book art, it's bad this, that, and the other. And you can, you know, and there are various stratas and not levels, not hierarchical stratas, but there's different sort of stratas that one can engage with it. And I think that if one elevates good book art, you know, good structure, not just five pieces of paper and a stapler and saying, oh, that's book art, it's content but actually really doing something with it, then it will engage with younger people because it's got that magic word, art. And it's, for me, that is a lead into bookbinding, trade bookbinding, 
edition binding, fine book binding, designer book binding, creative contemporary book binding and everything else. So I think we've got to lose a little bit of our snobbishness about the book, bring it back down and start engaging with a fresh new audience and making it mean something and making it valuable to them as a group and also explaining what we do as Kate said as Richard does and everybody else to a wider audience so that they can actually understand its importance in today's societies tomorrow's society and that sort of thing and, and it's something we've got to do but it's going to take a group of very brave people to say okay right fine we will do that we're going to say right instead of doing media studies we're going to say right fine we're going to do the book etc etc so i'm optimistic that it will happen but i'm also a realist in knowing that it's going to take one hell of a lot of hard work and it's going to be from a very small group of people who have the passion and the drive to be able to do it and take a risk with their own career and say that's what i'm going to be doing that's it Perhaps the way to go is to look uh, internationally. We talked to uh, Dimitris from uh, who who's originally from Greece, and he Dim came Dimitris Koutsipitsidis. Thank you. Uh, that's what I want to say. Uh, so, uh, who originally came from uh, from Greece, and he came to the Royal Bindery to do his apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. interest is out there, and luck luckily for UK, English is an international language. So, unlike French, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I read I read your blog posts and so I, I'm I'm up to date. I'm I, just I think, not 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 very <clears throat> happy with how things well, are things think, are going I think, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think well I think the I, I'm sure Rich I hope Richard would agree with this is the 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 language of making is universal. You know, doing that is the same in any language. Doing that is the same in any language. Putting that and that together to make this is the same in any language. On a D or e-book binding, que les langues italiennes et espagnoles n'avons pas les mots pour certaines choses de la relure. Ou de l'art libre. Hi, we're carrying us. Okay, okay. I don't want to be able to speak Russian here, Pasha. Yes, but I'm not going to do it. But what, 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 what I meant, uh, and hmm. I wasn't brave enough to say that neither UK nor US at the moment are that welcoming to uh, people <laughs> from other countries, whether they speak uh, the language of making a book or not. Mm. Well, that's politicians, that's not people. How, how come those politicians are elected by those people? Because um, politicians lie. Uh, they want to look after their jobs. <laughs> and most people can't, don't, are uneducated, and there you go. 
but <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but getting away from the, that element of society for a moment, uh, I, from my perspective, uh, it's very different for book art in United States than it is in the UK. Uh, here, there is a flourishing of it. There are lots of, uh, there are several MFA programs in book art. There's MFA, there's dual program in uh, book art and creative writing. They're putting all that stuff together where people mm -hmm. learn to write and produce the whole and illustrate, mm -hmm. you know, to do the whole thing. There's a big, there are several galleries that are continuing to, uh, to put on new exhibitions of it that are specializing in book art. And uh, there, is a, there is a growing uh, market, which is yeah. the more important question. Because um, uh, yeah. we really don't need to produce more book artists. I mean, we have got tens of thousands. I, I, I look at this uh, uh, Facebook group, there's like 11,000 people in the I Am A Bookbinder group. And there's like 60 or 70,000 people in the uh, um, that, that other uh, Facebook group with the, you know, like uh, book so artists. It's like in, yeah. in, in, in the UK, we need more education. We need more book artists. We need to, to, to provide more well, education for book artists. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know about that. Stop, I think stop, we have more stop. artists right now than we have market. So <laughs> it's, I, it's, as an economist, I, I, I'm trying to make a um, balanced economy. We need more collectors is what we need, not more artists. Now, yeah, now you've brought the point. Now, I've just got to nip out for a few minutes, okay? Because I've had a couple of cups of coffee, if you get my drift, and yeah. I've just got to nip out just for a couple of minutes. You nip out I, and sorry. slide down the, the chimney to the kids downstairs with your Santa Claus out If <laughs> I've got to do what I'm going to be doing downstairs with the children, I will be locked up. I'm just going to do something <laughs> elsewhere. Excuse me one moment. Uh, uh, Richard, so uh, uh, talking about collectors, I know you keep, uh, keep an eye on the field. What about the young people? Because in so many fields, uh, uh, the way forward was to uh, generate interest in the younger generation, especially in those uh, uh, rich Silicon Valley kids. Young uh, people what... nowadays don't, doesn't have, don't have money. The, Richard, keep in mind that there are something like 2,000 billionaires in the world and they have kids. And there are something in this country alone, there's something like a million millionaires I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's not that kids don't have money, poor kids don't have money, rich kids have more money and have no limits on what they do. There's a great disparity. I, I have friends on, you know, among the rich and the poor, I get to see a lot of the uh, class structure, always have, uh, you know, been, and as an artist, you're often outside the class structure anyway. Uh, you know, and when I was in the UK, it was so interesting because I got to hang out with like punks and kids in the street and stuff like that and artists and was invited to the goddess service, you know, where I was in my uh, uh, Huntsman's of Savile Row morning suit, you know. Uh, so uh, you get to travel among a lot of different elements of society as an artist. And uh, uh, the kids, it really, I think, there is a huge variety of interests. You find kids among the rich and the poor who love book art and who can't stand the idea of art at all and have no interest, and that can't stand, just have no interest, whatever. I mean, you know, just let, let them go and just give them a surfboard, you know. And then I have friends who are like surfers who are artists, you know. It's, I don't think there's any, 
you know, I'm not going to talk about the kids. Of the, it's great to bring in kids. When I say kids, first of all, I mean in their 20s, you know, uh, bringing them in. At the, at the Center for Book Arts, so many of the people who are uh, contributors today started out in their 20s or their 30s. Uh, as students at the Center for Book Arts, and most, I would say most of the support that is not foundation, you know, kind of support, but, you know, voluntary contributions uh, in the over $100 category uh, come from people who came in and took a class, you know, and uh, some of them have been, there are still people who 47 years later are still, you know, coming back and being supportive and the amazing thing is that it survived for this long. I mean, it's almost 50 years ago when there was nothing like this, where there was no term book art. I mean, people forget, and well, you guys were born into a world where there already was book art. So you can't imagine what it was like when you're in a field that doesn't exist. And, you know, we talked about that, you know, and, and uh, you know, and it's really, uh, very different today. Well, so, sorry to interrupt you, uh, Richard, but I think we're, we're, we're a bit special in this way because we were born in the Soviet Union and it, uh, the things were a bit different in the Soviet Union. Uh, there was a book, there were book cards of sorts, but yeah, it, it wasn't as easy. <laughs> and well, you know, the Soviet Union has a great history. A if very, you go back to the futurists and the constructivist book art, much in so. some sense, the way it is today. And but that's, that, but that's not just before our it. time. It, it is uh, before our great parents' time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 so Stepan is right. Book art are very born? new to Russia. How uh, old are you guys? Uh, I'm... I, I was born in 1982. Pavel is uh, I mean, a couple of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Couple oh, of years. Okay, so kids of the 80s. Yeah, okay. yeah. Boy, so you missed the 60s and the 70s as well as the, okay, I'm a kid Sorry. of the 40s. Sorry. I know, I, <laughs> I'm be 75 I, I, I years do, old on, miss, on, on the Russian I do, Christmas. I do miss them a lot. I think I would fit right in because my early 2000s were basically like your late 60s. I, <laughs> Presume. But I guess not not like Soviet late 60s. <laughs> I mean, you, you, spend, you spend your days stoned and tripping, you mean, in the, in the, in the 2000s. And teaching higher mathematics. So well, that goes so, along with it. Higher mathematics. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once right, again, once again yeah. we're, we're so lucky, we're so small that we do, do not get advertisements on, on, on YouTube. <laughs> so we shouldn't care about all this stuff. No, well, no, it's, you it's, can it's, edit it's, this, remember. This is not live. But the thing is, about, about the Russian avant-garde... No, we, would, we wouldn't edit anything out. Oh, yeah. You look much better, yeah, They were the subversives. Uh, they were the pamphleteers, the subversives of their time and that is something which is extraordinarily important because if you look about the work that they were doing they were producing let's say in the 20s and 30s for example they were actually treading a very very fine line and it's also about using the materials that were available you know using you know okay i've got a napkin i'm going to use a napkin i've got pink paper and green paper okay that's going to work that's all i've got i'm going to use it. i've only got a nut and bolt to hold the pages together that's what i'm going to use and that that is extraordinarily creative and it's also this this underground sort of gentle sweep of continuing you know the private sort of notion of the creative voice 
that that was part of that and that cannot be sort of overemphasized enough i think i think okay in the 30s then you've got you know the major publications getting hold of it you've got you know your photo montage work and all the rest of it there are a number of publications out there that document this very very well but in the beginning that nucleus that little spark that's saying actually i want my own underground voice i want my voice to be heard i want my images and everything else that is absolutely that is something else and that is something that you could be extraordinarily proud of that is your heritage with book arts and that should not be that should not it is be very forgotten. much so yes yes and uh, and we, uh, and i studied a lot and i am very proud of it a lot it and should, by, the, yeah. by the way do you buy this thing about 2020s being in some uh, promising to be something like what 1920s were the only the only time the only reason the roaring 20s were called the roaring 20s is because that's what they were named after the decade and that's basically it i mean okay you've you've got the end of the first world war now you've got the spanish influenza etc etc what people seem to forget in the middle of the 20s you had the wall street crash which the whole economy went down. So a lot of people were partying to forget what there is. And all you see, the majority of things you see on television and in the media and everything, are people, you know, doing the Charleston and they've got their little dresses on and the feather bows and like this and everything else and cars and all this that and the other. They're not looking at, you know, other parts of the world or even the UK, America, wherever, where there was terrible depression, there was starvation, there was all sorts of things like that. And again, you know, it's it's the victors write the history. And I think we, you know, with with the nineteen twenties, it was, um, yeah, okay. If you were rich and could afford it, it was a bloody great time to be around. But if you were like us, normal people, not so great. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's actually um, uh, um, the economy of it. I, I think until it got to the late 20s, there was a time um, here, by the way, here, I have right here, I always keep this right here. See that, I don't know if you can see this flapper from yeah, 1929, yeah, yeah. that's my mother at the age of 17. Wow. Oh, wow. So anyway. I'd like, um, I would like to say you've got a rise, but yours were a lot fresher. Uh, 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 I wanted to say that I don't, mean uh, roaring 20s in terms of parties because you know young people and rich people and artists yeah. will always have fun whatever the circumstance okay yeah yeah, well, yeah more than that you had the model t ford you you had the you had mm -hmm. the uh, mass production of automobiles uh, yes. so there was for the common person the ability for the first time particularly for women was because it was considered um socially appropriate for women to drive cars, even going back to 1904, 1905 in the beginning of them. Um, and uh, I have many of the, I had a whole section on women in cars in my first exhibition of publishers bindings. And you really see society when you, um, when you see the cover, I study society through the covers of books. And I have that, the- that, 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 That's the emasculation of women. And that was partly due to the First World War where women were- Emasculation or emasculation? Uh, well, you, you know, when women went into the workplace yeah. because the men were, you know, doing other things and killing each other. 
Well, this goes before that. This goes actually back to 1904. This goes back to the decade before the First World War. Uh, but uh, the thing is, when I, when I think of the Roaring Twenties, I don't even think of, uh, what I really think about is the rise of fascism. And that's what I think it has to do with what's happening today. Mm. It's, it's interesting how, how uh, you mentioned uh, women getting cars and driver's license uh, in, in the 1920s and, and later. It's interesting how it was different, uh, very different in the Soviet Union, because uh, when my, my grandmother uh, got her driver's license uh, at the same time as my grandfather in the late 1950s, and she was considered quite a rebel at that moment, because uh, mostly men held a driver's license at the, uh, uh, then at that time. And uh, mm. uh, she drove until, until uh, late 1980s and then just, uh, just stopped because uh, uh, my grandfather mostly drove and uh, she was okay with that. Uh, but, uh, but, but still throughout these Soviet years, she, she was considered a pre pretty unusual uh, person, to, uh, a woman to have a driver's license uh, uh, in, in the Soviet Union. So. Uh, mm. But, but, but then your great-grandmother studied in Switzerland and was a pioneering medical scientist? And, yeah, and then she was one of the first female uh, surgeons in the uh, Imperial Russia. And uh, yeah, she, she, she got her permission to, to, to be a surgeon from uh, Nicholas II. So, uh, yeah. It, You've uh, kept that very quiet. That's, 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 that's from my grandfather's <laughs> side, not from my grandmother's side. She, she had some really interesting relatives as well, but, but that, that's on my grandfather's side. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, look at, uh, I look around me and I uh, see uh, seeds for, uh, for revolution in all sorts of ways. I mean, just think about it. Uh, lots you mean, of people... you mean in, in the modern world? Yes, yes. I mean, look around. We just had almost two years where people worked from home and nothing much broke. I mean, we have such a potential, we don't really have to go to work, most of us. And uh, it gives so, so much uh, time, so much space for art, for thinking, for writing. At the same time, at the same time, I, I, I read quite a lot about uh, the fact that uh, many many couples had a lot of troubles living together in the same space throughout the the uh, the pandemic. And I don't know. For me, it was the happiest year ever. For you, it was the happiest year ever. I mean, uh, 2020, not this one. Last, last, <laughs> last, last I mean, yeah. last last year was amazing. Well, well. Yeah, because because well, okay. So well, I, I I was quite happy to to be in my wife uh, with my wife uh, at the same apartment twenty four seven and uh, spend a lot of time with her. Uh, but uh, really, for for many people, it was a trouble because uh, people just don't know how to spend time together. And uh, it's time to learn. <laughs> That's not yeah, okay. Bootcamp. <laughs> I know. Uh, now you'll finally know who you've been living uh, with for so many years. Uh, why not? That's always wow. interesting. He's a Republican. 
no, but seriously, don't you think that we, uh, that modern world has a potential for uh, art revolutions? Because it's been a while since art has produced something really new. I mean, something that happened a hundred years ago is still not palatable enough for people that they call it modern art. I mean, how something made a hundred years ago can be modern art. It can't, but it is. Modern is a period at this point that was, you know, like from the 19, uh, modernism came in, in on book covers in the 1880s. I mean, it was more than 100 years ago. And modernism really pretty much 1880s to about 1935 is modern, you know. Oh, art, I know? see what happened. And, to and, Sorry. And, I, and I, I, I need we, to. We're in a postmodern world right now, you know, I mean, not even now, last. End of the last century, we had the postmodern world. So I think uh, I'm sorry, Richard, I need to explain myself. In yeah. Russian, uh, words modern and contemporary are the same. And uh, when people say yeah. in Russian modern art, it means both uh, art of that era and like you were talking about relegatore uh, and you know the this, uh, the problems with Italian and Spanish with uh, uh, book art and book binding and the different aspects of it. Uh, yeah, and this uh, what Mark said, Mark, what you said earlier about the question of language, you know, this, uh, there it is again. But you know what I think? Nothing. <laughs> I think this is one of the things about art and the creativity. It is a continually moving, developing thing. It is. And it's only history that gives titles to periods or movements or whatever it is unless of course you know you you know you you form a group and say right we're going to be foirists futurists we're going to be doing this we're surrealists whatever but 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 that that fits into a, a time zone perhaps and i think it's it's quite interesting because uh, touching on something that richard mentioned just before i had to go to nature shall we say about the need for collectors that's something I've touched on before. In America, there was a group of artists and um, the people used to laugh at. And there was one collector who actually said, mm, hang on a second, I'm going to take a punt here. And that collector had a certain amount of clout. Yeah, okay, a certain amount of money. Yeah, I came up with one clout. And that certain collector started promoting this work, pushing it forward. And that collector, of course, was Peggy Guggenheim. And of course, the icons from that movement, well, you don't need me to tell you who they were. Um, do we have anybody like Peggy Guggenheim in the bookbinding, book arts world? I don't think so. Do we have a champion? And it's something about what Richard said about, yeah, we don't need necessarily more creators. Perhaps we need more people that understand, more cu curators that are prepared to put the work forward or and people more people that are open to collecting the book more open to collecting the contemporary book book arts book binding whatever it is um and this is goes back to something you know if, in the uk I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same all over the world people that do have the money 
they like to show off that they've got a lot of money. So they'll buy a big painting, a big yacht, big car, big house, and everything else. And they'll invite people around to their big place and they'll look at the big paintings and say, look at that big painting. Wow, look at that. That's cost a lot. Now you look at a book and it's on the shelf. And it's something that Kate was talking about as well. Look on the shelf. And all you see is the spine of the box of the book. And what's impressive about that? Nothing's impressive about that. It's not until you engage with it, and that is a singular sort of happening where you engage with it. It's a physical action. You actually have to physically engage with that work for it to come alive, for it to do what it does, the tactile quality of it and everything else. And you enter into this intellectual process of engaging with it. Whereas with a painting on a wall, or a big bloody vase in the middle of a bloody room on a bloody plinth. You go, oh, look at that, that's big. That must have cost you a fortune. Yes, it did actually, yes. Whereas with a book, it is this singular thing. It's a triangular sort of thing happening. And I think that the, the, there is this, this, this element of book snobbishness. When I've seen this happen in a gallery, with exhibitions of books where somebody comes in and they're looking at the book and and one particular person, I'm not going to mention who it was, uh, just happened to be hanging around their book, as we all do. And this person said, well, you know, I'd love to know, you know, what it means. You know, what does the design mean? And this binder actually said in, and I heard this, what do you mean you don't understand the design? At which point the shutters came down on that person. And that person literally just walked out. What the person was looking for was an explanation, was looking for the story, was looking for more information about that particular work, not the, what do you mean you don't understand? And sometimes we, uh, we, we become so insular in, in that you know, we, we expect everybody to understand what we're talking about. Now, that isn't the case. You know, when I first came to working with the book, I had no idea what a head cap was. I thought it was something that you used to stop you getting pregnant. And, you know, I just didn't understand. So sometimes we have to sort of de-language the language that we use in, ex in explaining what we're doing and also explaining it to a wider audience, making it accessible, making it less snobbish and everything else. But I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, that, that's from one maker's perspective. It's, it's just one of those things. I mean, Richard, you've, you've curated, you've put on exhibitions, you've produced work and everything else. How, how do you find it? Uh, I find it, uh, uh, mostly I find it online because that's about the only way I can find anything these days. But uh, I posted a couple of links there. I think that most, I don't think, but I've observed that most of the um, activity, there are a few people like Bob Rubin, who built as individuals big book art collections that include you know, book binding and all the other forms of book art, but <laughs> it's primarily become institutional. That's why most of my customers are libraries, museum libraries, <laughs> Metropolitan Museums, uh, Watson Library has is developing a very big artist book collection. <laughs> that, um, uh, and it, it's, it's really interesting to see, I posted some links to, um, uh, it's a, a Yale resource. There are better resources. I didn't find them at the moment. There are a bunch longer resources of, of collections that have mm -hmm. artist books. And I posted just what the Center for Book Arts has something like th uh, 
I don't know, 5,000. It has uh, a whole, you know, there's besides books about bookbinding and book art and all the printing technologies and bookbinding technologies and uh, reference materials, it's got something like 3,000 works of book art. Mm -hmm. And it's all, uh, at that, you can see them online, you can go there and see them in person, you can just say, oh, can you get this out? And it's grown to the point there where it's, uh, there's like, a, you know, what you call that, the, the shelving that moves in and out, expandable shelving, you know, compact shelving units. You, with that, the that, wheel yeah, and- Yeah, yeah, with the wheel that, that, yeah. that you crank it out because, you yeah. know, so that it, it doesn't occupy too much space and you make cool, an cool. aisle where you need it. Yeah, and, cool, uh, cool, it cool. Is, Well, it had to because, you know, it's very limited space. But yes, uh, yes. it's got all climate control protection for the for a book art collection. I'm mm. sorry, Richard, but I have to ask. Uh, um, library collections having uh, great amounts of books is not enough. Being able to order them in is not enough. Just this year, I visited two collections, library collections in Russia. One has uh, some 300 books. Uh, uh, artists' books, uh, fi uh, fine, bind, uh, fine, uh, fine bindings, designer bindings. The other collection has uh, over 500 books also. And okay, you can come to the library and order them and look at them, but this is not enough. You need to, you must uh, interact with your public. You must engage your public. You must have exhibitions. You must have permanent collections you must have books on display otherwise uh, only people like me will see it that's something we discussed quite a lot with uh, our guests uh, our podcast guests from the uk that uh, uh, many of the book binders who invited to our podcast uh, have uh, uh, their fine bindings uh, uh, hosted by the collections of uh, different libraries and museums but they are not accessible so you, you cannot just go in, walk into yeah. the British Library or Victoria and Albert <laughs> Museum or something like that yeah. and see fine yeah. binding, design binding, artist books yeah. like that. Uh, you have to order them. You have to, I don't know, uh, go through the loop, uh, jump through the loop, hooks and loops and... Uh, and yeah, I mean, for for example, for the British Library, if you want to view a book, you've got to be, you've got to have, you've got to be, you know, you've got to get member? the card. Yeah, 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 you've got to become yeah. a member. Yeah, that takes a lot of time. I think most most importantly, you have to know about them. You exactly. have to know about them. And and the thing is, is that I mean, I I've got stuff in the in the BL and the VNA and yale and all the rest of it yes uh, and the thing is that that's NAL. fantastic yeah sorry the nal i i, I think it's yale the, the museum NAL, of English. national art library at the vna yeah 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 yeah. that's a remarkable collection it is absolutely beautiful yeah it it, it is absolutely stupid it's stupendous actually um the the thing is is that you you've got to know how to go about getting access to it the work is not on exhibition it's on it's sort of accessible but it isn't if you're just going in there and having a look you can't actually go in and have a look at it you've got to advance warning and all the rest of it and all sorts of things where there isn't let's say uh, coming from a uk perspective for example where you can go to Tate Modern, 
uh, and you can walk in as a member of the public. You don't have to be a member. You pay your token fee, which is actually nothing, because that's what we do in the UK. <clears throat> you can actually walk into any gallery or museum and it's free. And you can view things that are there. The amount of times you actually see books on display is extraordinarily rare. The VNA in their main open collection has maybe three or four treasure bindings and that's it, nothing else. The British Library, okay, it's the British Library. They have many things sort of on display, but it, it's, it, 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 there's so much more they could do, but let's move away from the British Library. There aren't actually any galleries as such. There are private bookshops. There are bookshops that deal with, you know, contemporary bindings and uh, not contemporary bindings, but, you know, uh, limited edition works and that sort of thing. But there are no exhibition venues for the contemporary book in all of its genres, in all of its spheres and everything else. And, and that's, that, that's a problem because I can go to any, gallery any museum in the v in the uk and there will be ceramics and there'll be watches and there'll be this and there'll be paintings and there'll be all sorts of things but no books and not even if you're lucky one or two very historical examples of somebody's handwriting and whatever or, and, or and some, think, some medieval bindings uh, yeah exactly uh, exactly you know, and, and all of a sudden, yeah, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, where's the modern stuff coming in? What, what's, where is it all happening? And the problem is, and it's something that Kate touched on, it's, it's how do we view this? How do we get engagement with it? Well, you know, it, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've got a mug, okay? This one's made out of metal. It could be ceramic. Um, it's used every day books are used every day and everything else and yet a ceramic mug with a little bit of bling on it all of a sudden becomes an exhibition item a book with a little bit of bling on it doesn't and it, it, it's weird we uh, the general public from what i know from my sphere have this idea of the book as being something which is sunny out and I, I i have acquaintances who work in the city you know they earn a lot of money. They're quite happy to buy a new car every two years, have some big splash out painting on the wall, the biggest plasma TV screen that is imaginable to mankind, indoor swimming pool and everything else. And then you look around for the books and there are none. And then there are people whose whole houses are filled with them and they're filled with book cards. So yeah, it, indeed, there is. My experience is, is here is is very different. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think this is one. Of the, I think you've actually hit a point, Richard. I think is that it, it's it, it's difficult. It, it, it's the UK. I mean, it, I work in the UK. It's what I do. It's it's where I go and everything else. It's where you are. And yeah, exactly. And each country has its own sort of field of thought as far as the book is concerned. I mean, you know, if, if you go to certain areas, certain countries, you know, if you, if you are a maker, you are all of a sudden elevated in society. If you are 
a teacher, you're elevated in society. It's, and, and it's almost the reverse of what it is in the UK. I mean, here, you know, if you're a maker, you're sort of down there somewhere. Well, you may have to move here, uh, you know. If that, 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 that would be impossible for me. There are definitely some differences in the USSR, or, well, I mean, in, in, in modern Russia, uh, people still think that uh, uh, the that Russia is uh, the uh, country that breeds uh, the most, or the most breeding country, or something like that. There is this, this myth that uh, USSR was uh, the country where people read the most uh, among all the countries, and uh, many people in in modern Russia still uh, think that uh, the situation is the same. Well, well, it's it's not, uh, but uh, well, uh, intelligence still reads a lot. Too much for my liking. Okay, can you see that? Uh, yeah. That is that. That's a picture of a gallery. C can you do you see that's a gallery? Do you see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we, uh, we we talked we talked about this set. It's the one about the amendments, right? Oh, well, there's that. I'm just showing you the gallery here. They've always got an exhibition on uh, of something. But this is a gallery that specifically shows contemporary uh, book cards. This is at Yale. And they have all these exhibit cases. I mean, uh, that's all I, I can unshare. I just wanted to, because there are just so many academic programs that have book art galleries now uh, in cities across the country. I think a lot of what you're talking about is happening here. And, uh, you know, I think it, uh, I mean, you've just got your first uh, London Center for Book Arts, and there's got to be like dozens of them here um, know, that, that are fairly uh, developed. Can you talk a bit about how it's uh, funded? Because I assume it's not state funding. No, or... no, 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 no. no. Uh, what's not... funded? How, how the galleries that you've just shown are funded. That, gal that gallery is, that's an academic institution. It's funded by the institution. It's a library. It's, it's in a library. How is that institution funded? Who, uh, so it's basically endowments by rich people. It's, it's, an, it's an endowment. And of course, you know, the way that uh, there are the endowments and then there's the tuitions and then there's the fundraising. I mean, the, the fundraising never stops for an institution. You know, it's, it's not just an endowment. It's uh, income. Everything takes a continuity of income. But part of it is that what, the exciting thing to me about that is that uh, there are so many programs that are doing exhibitions around the country that are doing exactly what you say. They're bringing in people, they're advertising the exhibitions, they're showing contemporary book art and book binding. The Guild of Book Workers uh, puts on exhibitions, is constantly having traveling exhibitions that go from city to city. Um, and it's all uh, uh, fine book binding and book art and it's, uh, you know, and it's uh, in the last 20, 30 years, the Guild has gotten much younger and has expanded its concept of uh, what it does from just traditional leather book binding with inlay and tooling to all kinds of book structures and content and, and the like. The Abyssidarian Gallery I, see, I saw has a call for entries right now for a, a lettered and bound exhibition that is all, uh, book art that is calligraphically based, uh, whether it's editions or unique works. I mean, there's so many, uh, there's that uh, 23 Sandy Gallery. And they, these things are in Oregon, they're in Texas, they're, they're in all over America. There are these places now that are 
whether they are institutional or private art galleries, there's many of those now uh, that are showing book binding, book art. And uh, to me, it, it's a very growing thing, which uh, is important in building a base of collectors, exposing people. And not all book art and not all book binding is expensive. I buy things. I just, uh, I haven't even opened it yet. I just got this one in the mail uh, yesterday. Please do not bend. Uh, you know, it's uh, a Clifton Metters new book. I, I think it would cost me about $55, you know? Uh, you don't have to be rich to, to buy some of the best book art, you know, that's being produced. Some of it, I mean, you have to be rich to buy mine, you know, because, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more the exception. You know, I've always tried to stay at the uh, top of the uh, pyramid, in, in, you know, in, in this field. Uh, but I started, I was the only one in it, you know, and uh, what I was defining. Uh, you know, I, there were other people doing book art. I know that's, you know, you don't have to say, what's he talking about? But, uh, you know, what I'm saying is uh, I thought it always important to price my work outside what the market, uh, for the most part, is in the field. So everybody else's work would look cheap, relatively. Is this your advice to a young aspiring bookbinder? Yeah, charge less than I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then you can say, look at that that Minsky's making. It costs 10 times what I'm doing, and mine is better. And uh, you can get 10 of mine for the cost of one of his. Could you, could you perhaps highlight uh, some uh, uh, young uh, book artists uh, uh, in America? Who are you following? Who are you really excited by? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, you know, here, well, you know, there's an exhibition of, let me see if I can go back and find that right now. Um, just a second, I have to see how I can get there. Here, you know, whose work I really like is Colette Fu. You know Colette's work? No. Okay, let me, let me she's, she's really interesting. And um, here, let me do that screen share again. Oh, here. that is impressive. Okay. Wow. Uh, anyway, can you see it? Yeah, I can't see it because yeah. it's, it's yeah. there. Oh, there I can move it. Okay, it, 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 there we go. Um, so, you know, her work is really uh, exceptional. If you get a chance, uh, let me see if I can uh, see that uh, this is hers also, you know, and uh, she's uh, Chinese American. She goes to China and photographs um, minority populations who, uh, uh, still uh, continue traditional uh, lifestyles. And she makes pop-up books. Some of them, you talk about big books, she makes ones that are the size of a whole room that pop up, uh, you know, into like a 10 foot, uh, you know, pop-up books. It's, and so see, I think that's an example. So you ask for an example, there's an example of one. And, uh, you know, we could, we could talk, uh, or we could have a whole show of just like, who are the exciting young? How do I stop this thing? Did I stop the screen share? Not, no. not yet. Yeah. yeah, I still have to learn how to do this better. I'm old, you know. I'm not, you know. I'm old. Well, we'll, we'll probably have to invite you more uh, to our podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> well, with a theme, you know, it's it's easier. You know, it's easy if you tell me what you want to see because there's so much stuff out there that, um, you know, uh, it's really a question of curating. It's really like curating an exhibition. What you just asked me was, would I curate an exhibition? And, but that's the first one that just came to mind, 
Uh, I love Colette's work. What I understand that uh, there are definitely uh, much more things going in, in the United States uh, compared to everywhere, not only to the UK, but to, to Europe in, in, in Poland, everywhere. But uh, uh, on the other, uh, uh, other thing is that uh, we definitely do not uh, have uh, enough uh, uh, a, a good connection with the uh, Asian uh, bookbinders and book artists, and I'm sure there is a lot of things going there, and uh, uh, that's something that I, I, I really want for iBookbinding and for our podcast and for our project in general to work on in the upcoming year in 2022 uh, to to invite more uh, more bookbinders and bookbinders and, and book artists and uh, bookish people from from asia from china from japan from there other countries and uh, uh hong kong uh korea yeah you know yeah, where they, yeah. they have actually the large book art gatherings uh, yeah. and uh, symposia uh, yeah. that uh, you know people i know from here who go over to those and uh, it's uh when that world opens up again i think it would be great for you to go the way you went to to that book art fair um, in Leiden, yeah, ago, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that uh, for you to go to uh, the Asian uh, fairs and uh, do live presentations from there, I think that would be a great um, um, asset and a, a, a great thing for uh, for me to see. I want you to do it so I can watch it. <laughs> I, I really hope. I really hope we'll, we'll, we will be able to do that. And uh, well, uh, iBookbinding is growing, and uh, we, we are getting a bit more budget with every every upcoming year so uh probably there, there will be opportunity for that as well and uh uh by the way that's a good moment to to invite our viewers you know to 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 check uh, uh, our patreon link and to become our patrons and uh, yeah down below in the description and uh, every every dollar pound and uh, euro counts and helps us to to produce and yen and one etc yen and one everything but if if you can if you can bring if you can pay ten dollars per month or twenty dollars per month, it's even better. Or one Bitcoin a month would do it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, that would definitely do it. That yeah. would help us quite a lot to you, to, to, you know, to cover you know, different different events uh, all over the world. Does Patreon you know, take crypto? Speaking, uh, we uh, take anything. <laughs> uh, we, we can arrange that. Uh, speaking of Bitcoin, Richard, what are the news uh, around the NFT uh, front? We, uh, because that part of our talk right now is happening. It, it's uh, right now the NFT world has converged on Art Basel, Miami, and there are ongoing symposia run by different platforms. I posted a link to the. Um, uh, to the Tezos platform, which is the one I like because it is um, not environmentally destructive crypto. It's uh, unlike the uh, proof of work ones that uh, add huge amounts of carbon pollution to the atmosphere. It is a, um, a proof of stake system, which not only doesn't involve all of that pollution, it also keeps the cost of it. Instead of costing hundreds of dollars to mint something, you do it for pennies, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's uh, remarkable. You can, I, I've been collecting art. I mean, on there, what's so interesting is in the platform I'm doing this on, uh, most of the artists are also collectors and artists trade work and artists buy, sell and buy each other's work because some of the work is just so exciting because it's so cheap. 
to do it, that you now have people in Africa and South America and all over the world, places that never would afford to work on Ethereum-based uh, uh, NFT platforms. Now, from anywhere, just about anybody who has a computer, I mean, if being able to afford a computer is still a limitation, but still anybody who can get that far can, can go to their library and use a computer and uh, you know, can now produce NFTs. And uh, it's remarkable how different some of the work that you see coming out of places that were previously off limits. It's still basically white men in that field, but you see more and more women, people of colors, people of many colors now, um, who are uh, breaking into that marketplace and producing not only digital work, but also um, work that is a combination of digital work. Uh, speaking of digital work, you know, I got a link that I, I'm gonna send you because it's just a friend of mine from Second Life who I wrote about a lot in 2007 to 2009 when I was in the Second Life world producing an art magazine about virtual art. Um, the guy who is the best artist, uh, David Spensley, um, has, has just got put up a thing at Art Basel. It's not an NFT, but I, uh, I, I think you might enjoy, if I can find a link to it, uh, going in there and um, here. Let me copy this link location and share it in the chat. I've never tried, I've tried it on my phone and it, it was, it's a great immersive installation. This is where, there you go. There's an immersive, and I told him it would make a great NFT. I said, I, I went there and I couldn't see, how do I get one? And he said, get one, because it's actually you go online and you just jump in and you participate in it. But um, this is an uh, immersive virtual world and you use your keyboard, your mouse, your Zoom controls and everything. And um, you can go way, Zoom way out, Zoom way into incredible levels of detail where there's all kinds of stuff going on in there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just a toy for you to play with. That's a free toy. But he's presenting that at, the, um, at Art Basel Miami. So in terms of where art is going, I think a lot of it is going virtual. You know, you can put on your VR headset and immerse yourself in that world. So it's, um, I think that, uh, I, I love the, you know, I was doing computers before I was doing, I was programming an IBM 360 in machine language, you know, strings of ones and zeros uh, in 1964. So uh, to me, on punch cards, you know, uh, and which and the fact that I can have it, I have in my pocket or somewhere um, something that is more powerful than the strongest computer that was around then. It was really um, <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's I had a slight. Sorry, it's it's something to do with my armpit. <laughs> Richard, uh, we lost the sound. Yeah, yeah. I, I turned off the sound because the phone was ringing. I didn't want it to uh, interrupt your. Uh... But it wasn't your phone, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Mark, I want yes. to, uh, to ask, uh, to ask you. Uh, I, I, sorry, sorry, Pavel. I, I before before you ask Mark, I, I, 
uh, wanted to return you know, to, to, to one of your previous questions. And uh, I, I don't really want to be a downer here, but uh, somehow uh, I, my next podcast uh, grew to this level where, where we have these uh, uh, issues and we, we uh, face uh, uh, the, the thing that people, people are living and dying. And uh, there, was, uh, there were at least a couple of uh, bookbinders this year we wanted to talk to. And uh, we didn't have to. Ch- we, we didn't have a chance to to do that. And uh, mm. uh, Derek Hood was one of these bookbinders, uh, and uh, uh, we we discussed his uh, uh, his style uh, a bit with uh, Kate Holland uh, when we uh, talked about uh, uh, their uh, joint uh, binding uh, they they made for uh, for Booker's Prize last year. And uh, Jeff Clemens was about another of these uh, uh, people uh, who we really wanted to talk to, and we uh, we discussed uh, uh, with him uh, uh, being a guest on our podcast this year. And uh, in the end, we didn't have a chance to do that, unfortunately. Uh, so that's that's something uh, that's. Uh, for, for me, as a as a producer of Ibukmanik's uh, podcast, is is uh, really sad and. Uh, uh, unfortunate thing that uh, it appears that even while Ibukmanik's podcast is, is is so young, we started uh, last year, and it's it's the source season, but but it's Ibukmanik's podcast is only a year and a half old, so it's it's strange matter here, but but still uh, there are already some guests we would never uh, see on our podcast and. Uh, uh, it's it's fortunate we we had we we had to talk to other uh, people and uh, other bookbinders and other book artists uh, here, but but at least some of them are will will never be our guests, and uh, I just wanted to take this moment to to acknowledge this and uh, mm-hmm. to. I I think I I knew both Jeff um, and Derek. Um, uh, uh, both fellows of designer bookbinders. Uh, Jeff, uh, I first met a long time ago, um, and uh, he was a, um, a sort of um, one of the gods when I was a student. And uh, he was pushing stuff, and bookbinding was just part of his life. He's a very accomplished abstract artist in his own right. And he was very <clears throat> easy to talk with and very giving of um, his work and everything else. And with Derek, um, he came later on, I think, when I, when I was a fellow and his work is, uh, yeah, his work and everything else. And again, he came from music. Uh, he was a very accomplished drummer, um, working with a number of quite well-known groups and everything else. But I think this is one of the remarkable things uh, about being able to make, about being able to create, is that as you're working, you are creating your legacy. You are writing your own epitaph with your work. And Jeff, for example, he inspired so many people during this time. He had written a uh, a book which uh, in one of the places I do teach is actually on the shelf. And when you have that ability to inspire, 
and Derek as well. Right? When a few years ago I was um, talking about designer book binding for um, ITR, which is a radio company in um, Era Island, mm-hmm. um, about the book of bindings. Um, Derek's work was on show, and I think it was one of the first time the first book of binding that Derek had done. And you know, we are extraordinarily lucky in that as a, as makers, our work lives beyond us, and it will continue to to inspire, to to engage with people, to to, to have a resonance, and all sorts of things. Um, I was very lucky to know them. Um, and of course, one's thoughts are with the families and that sort of thing. However, wow, what great people they were. I mean, you know, when you look at their work and the skill level they had and what they were doing with the book, moving it forward, doing all these wonderful things. And yes, okay. Not everybody liked Jeff, what Jeff was doing, but his was a, up yours, this is what I'm doing. But Derek, very controlled, very precise, very accurate. Attention to detail, which was something else. Quite opposite to the flamboyant nature of his drum work and the way he worked within the music and everything else. There was this counterbalance almost happening. Yeah, and the quite recognizable style of of Derek's work. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you you look at it, you think, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's wow. So yes, I was very fortunate in knowing them. Um, we learn from the shoulders we stand on. We um, we forward with what we do, with our knowledge of what has been and what is and what we hope will be, and you know they follow that great path um yeah what can one say Um, it's not only that we've all had friends and acquaintances who have passed away over the last couple of years and um a lot of my work in the arts uh, friends have passed away have worked in the arts and yes they will be missed but they won't be missed because they leave a legacy they leave something for the future which is the beauty about being a creator, being an artist, a designer, a maker. That's the beauty of it. You're not forgotten. How do you connect with a person through his work? I mean, looking at Jeff's work, what mm-hmm. if you didn't know him, what would you have been able to say about him? That's actually quite an interesting question uh, because when you, you look at the way, it depends what, what period you're looking at his work. Looking at the early stuff, the middle stuff, and the late stuff. I mean, it's like looking at, you know, dinosaurs. You know, when you go through the strata of, you know, all the fossils and everything else. I think what, you can, what I would draw from it, when I first saw his work in 1980, which was before you were born, and... Not you, Richard, but you know some people. Um, and what what uh, what I would draw from it is was the sense of space, of line and movement with his work, which was at um, 
quite expressive also the sculptured nature of the boards the recesses and a very a, a, a extraordinary powerful sense of simplicity with his work when one compared it with the work of Smith, Lebet, etc., etc., <clears throat> and <clears throat> you know, in 1980, when I was so many years old, um, one you you saw this, and I didn't actually equate it to to the book. Uh, it's a long story, but basically. It was at the Usher Gallery, which is a gallery in Lincoln, and it's a touring exhibition. And I, I was invited to the exhibition and, and whatever. When I saw the work, and this is before I went to art college and all sorts of stuff. And I was looking at it. And when you, something stay in the mind, stay in the mind. And it wasn't until sometime later, I mean, we're talking maybe 10, 12 years later, that I actually graduated from the college, Guildford College, learning bookbinding, book uh, bookbinding, restoration and conservation. And I'd, I'd entered that world that I realised that what I'd seen 10 years earlier, I'd actually sort of come around. This is what I mean about sowing the seed. It's what I mean about teaching, about, you know, kids, art school people and everything else. And I then met him when I was applying for my licentiateship because, you know, you have to go in to a room with all, all the fellows and we're all stood there. They're going, hello, and you're going, <laughs> and you present your work and you leave the room and then they, they're looking at it and they're going, but what they're looking for is they're looking for potential. They're looking for that spark, that magic thing. And then you call back into the room and you, and when in my day, you had to sit on a chair and then there was a circle around you of all the fellows. And you all ask questions and you're crapping yourself basically. Because these are the people that have been in the magazines that you emulate, they're the, and I use the word the elite, you know, they are where you want to be, you know, they are the Olympians of where, where you are, you know, and you're going, Ooh. and they're asking you questions and you say, I've got no idea what the question was you've asked me. <laughs> I've got no idea. And then they ask you questions like, you know, and what, how do you think you can improve? And you're going, what, in everything? You know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and eventually, and, and then then you rush it out, and you have to take your work out, and then the vote, and then so you is this person like this, and then then you're told in those days via letter uh, whether you're in or out or whatever. Fortunately, I the idiots let me in, <laughs> and um, there's actually a split vote, and the constitution had to change because of that. Same thing happened with my fellowship. That's another story. So you made history even then. Oh, crikey, yes. <laughs> and um, it's, it's one of these things. And, and so actually being in the same room as the people that you've seen in exhibition, sitting down with them, going to the pub with them and talking with them, and they're talking with you at the same level. They're engaging with you at the same level. There's none of this, uh, you're, you're down there. And, I'm up here. It's everything's that there is a parity. Everything's 
everybody's the same. Once you get over that, my God, I'm talking with Philip Smith, or I'm talking with David Sellers, or Jeff Clements is doing this and this and that, and you're going, this is unbelievable. And you have this accumulation of knowledge that you can tap into, you can ask questions, you can or do all these other things. And Jeff was very accommodating, he was very straightforward. There was no ABS with him, which is art bull. Um, it was, you know, he was very, very, you know, straight about it. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. And the same with Derek as well. He was an extraordinarily giving person there was no sort of mystique or snobbishness or anything about him yeah uh, he I, I believe he worked at Bainton's which is sort of a trade bindery in the south of the UK and he sort of worked and he did stuff and, and you know and you look at the work and you think this is superb beautiful work but he was a very level sort of yeah well this is what I do you know it's my work it's my job you know bang 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 and again he was very giving and he would say people say how did you do that and he would tell us there was none of this, well, I can't tell you, you know, uh, you know, I'd have to kill you if I told you. There was none of that. It was, it was, you know, fine, it was great. And I think this is one of the, the beautiful things about, about not everybody, but the majority of people I know and have known is that they give, they want to pass on their skills, they want to pass on their knowledge and their experiences. And I think two shining examples of that were, are, were, are actually, present and future tense of oh, Derek and Jeff. Because that's what they did. They were that sort of person. Thank you so much for those memories. Oh, th th those, I have other memories of both of them. <laughs> that, that, uh, for example, there's, no, it's okay. Uh, well, another another time perhaps another well, time. Uh, well actually if you could be a bit uh, surely we, over those many years we have to consider the families <laughs> give it a, uh, they were both great people uh, they were both wonderful wonderful company to be with um, they will be missed but their legacy lives. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for that, so Mark. And uh, uh, I guess on on this positive notes, uh, uh, oh, we oh, that we, sounds great, doesn't we it? Should, we should. Uh, okay. We okay, should. Mark. Uh, we should finish our our <laughs> holiday special. Uh, Oh, that's uh, a great note to finish on. Podcast. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, may, may, maybe we could ask our guests if they want to say something to our, to our viewers. Maybe it's something we haven't talked about. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing. Yeah. That's, that, that, that would be that would be a nice thing to finish, to, to finish our podcast because uh, we've been we've been talking to uh, we've been talking for more than two hours now and. Uh, my bottle of, of wine is, is yeah, finished. <laughs> so, I guess uh, I'm, I'm empty. That's that's that goes with coffee. But but, but 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 anyway, uh, definitely, uh, Pavel, you are absolutely right. If uh, uh, Richard and Mark, uh, you have something to say to our viewers, uh, considering the upcoming year and uh, 2020. 
2021, 2022, and uh, things to come. Please share your wisdom. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2022 <laughs> uh, coming nice. up. Uh, we're done with 2020, we're done with 2021, and uh, we have another year uh, in which to uh, explore the unknown. Perfect, thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I would only echo uh, what Richard said, because to, to be quite frank, you know, the last couple of years have been a bit dicky, to be honest, they haven't been the world's best. Let's look forward to the future, let's get it out there, let's get it on and do some stuff. Yeah, let's do some stuff. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, this was Cyberwinings Podcast uh, Holiday Edition. And holiday. Uh, as cheers, usual, everybody. As usual, cheers, everybody. Please cheers. Check, check the links below. We'll post the links to uh, Richard shared with us, uh, and uh, we'll share some more links. As well, please consider becoming our patrons on Patreon because uh, your money or money of our patrons help us to edit the podcast. Without this money, we wouldn't be able to do that. So uh, it's pretty important to us and uh, we cherish the support of our patrons quite a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for staying with us for two hours or more and see you next time. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy new year. Happy holidays. Kanza, Be safe. Else? Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>